Spirit here? Might just need to come to the communion rails and just be there for a little bit. But we're going to talk. I didn't have a lot. I told a lot to put the scripture in there. You didn't need your Bible today. If you want to follow along with your Bible, I am going to encourage you. I know we have the screen. I'm going to encourage you to start bringing your Bible. I know it sounds a little on the Baptist side, but that's all right. I bring your Bible and actually learn how to read it and everything. But today is going to be easy. If you can find Genesis chapter 1 and 2, you can find where I'm going to be at today. It's Revelation chapter 21 and 22. I'm going to kind of get big pieces of it, so I don't want to be too much with the screen. Uh, just turn to the back of the book, when you got all the glossaries and everything else, just keep going back until you get to chapter 21 and 22. It's right at the end of the book. And the reason for this sermon, it's not a lectionary sermon, is there's a couple of reasons. I have gone along, and one of the things that people will say to me, or say on Facebook and other places, actually I got in a discussion with a motorcycle guy, a Christian motorcycle guy, on this very subject, and he says, I know how the story ends. I said, oh, how's that? Oh, Jesus wins. You're correct. Very correct. When Jesus does win, the new man and the Lord coming, Jesus wins. Where will you be when Jesus wins? That is the question. As the job as the, as the pastor of the church, pastor of the Greek actually means the keeper of the soul, where to help the people go, where to help you spiritually walk through life, and that's what we're doing. Here's another funny thing about the book of Revelation. Uh, I mean, I put this up, and we got the sermons up in advance on Facebook, a lot of places. I've had more comments from that. Stay away from the book of Revelation. Stay away from the book of Revelation. You don't want to preach on the book of Revelation. Is it not the same true word of God that starts in Genesis on? Uh, in fact, the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 3. Why study the book of Revelation? Right here. Blessed is those who read this, these words. It is the only book in the Bible that promises you'll be blessed for studying it. The only book. Now the other ones talk about being blessed. Blessed we those. So we're going to look at actually how the story ends. Many people get through. Revelation is a hard book to deal with. You really need to know your Old Testament to deal with uh, the New Testament and Revelation, especially there. Uh, and so we got to see there on that particular deal. And the book of Revelation is, at the end, is the same as the, almost the beginning. I'll bring that up in just a minute. The same as the beginning of the ending. But our process in life, John Wesley, we bring one other intro and we'll work on this. Uh, the process of life, uh, the Christian spirituality, John Wesley, the Wesleyan movement, talks about three graces. There's a prevenient grace, I'll call it preventative grace. Those of us that are, have done some crazy things and we're not in jail or dead, that's because of God's prevenient grace. We're out of jail now. It, that's because of God's prevenient grace. We've been in jail, you're out of jail now. Uh, prevenient grace. God is constantly, even still today, constantly wooing us to a deeper relationship with Him. He wants us to have an intimate relationship with Him, an Eros relationship with Him. Uh, then there's justifying grace. That was the day that you realize that I'm going to hell if I don't get a Savior, and Jesus has paid the price for all sins of the world, and you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. The journey didn't stop there. And that's what's wrong with the church today. Much of the church and much of the Christians, that's where they stopped. They stopped at justifying grace. Man, I call upon the name of the Lord. I'm saved. I'm good to go. There's sanctification. 
Sanctification grace is the grace from there until we get to the end of our life where the rapture comes, however we make it to heaven there. That's the end. And we are to constantly be working on our relationship with Jesus. Much like marriage, we are constantly working on our our marriage, because our life changes, kids grow, the finances change, things change, and so it's a constant changing process. And that's what we're going to talk real about today: is the sanctifying grace. Are we becoming more and more like Jesus? And that, that's really the the answer here. And because those who don't do that are risking everything. Uh, verse chapter twenty-one. I'm going to read down to like chapter eight. Then I'm going to jump over to verse eight. And I'm going to go to chapter two. Think about this. Close your eyes. If you're not going to follow along your Bible, close your eyes. How great this is going to be. Heaven is indescribably beautiful. There's no words in the language of any language that can describe how wonderful it is. Uh, verse, chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I was a holy, I was, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven. God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Man, how great will that day be? He who, had, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. You know, every good story has a word in it that none of us like. What's, anybody know what that word is? What? There we go. But, that, that just is a bad word. But, the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderous, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Chapter 22, and then chapter 21 rolls on a little longer, but we we'll start from chapter 22 now, start with verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of water of life, as clear as a crystal, flowing from the throne of God out of the land, down in the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding fruit every month, and the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their forehead. There will be no longer be night. There will, there, will be not, there will not need a light of a lamp, the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them the light, and they will reign forever and ever. 
Verse 6. The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord of God, who inspired the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of his prophecy written in the scroll. I am John, and the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen these things, I fell down to worship the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, Do not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your fellow prophets and all who keep the word of this grove. And he's, it's got an explanation for worship God. That's what we're here today for, worship God. Hey, John, uh, Charles Stanley got an amen there, but that'd be all right. We're working on that amen thing. Uh, I'm going to have to flash on the screen soon. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of this prophecy of the scroll because the time is near. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does not, who does right, continue to do right. Let the holy person continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may be in the right of the tree of life and may go through the gate into the city. Outside are the dogs, except Vincent, he's inside. And those who practice magic art and sexual immorality and the murders and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give, to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root of the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit of his bride says, come and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who's thirsty come, and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of, this, of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. And if anyone takes words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life in the holy city, which is described in the scroll. He who testifies in these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Praise Let me bring up a couple points, a couple of just uh, points. In chapter 21, which says, There will no longer be any seed. Prophecy. When you read the Bible, uh, John, and a lot of places in the Bible, the Old Testament is full of it, is this imagery. See, I always thought the oceans were drying up. And they may be, because the world's going to be destroyed by fire from heaven and earth. Uh, sea is Gentile people. Gentile people. People are not believers. Uh, you know, we're, we're the Gentiles. When I say not believers, we're the Gentiles. Non Jews is the sea. And so when he says there will no longer be any sea, he's not talking so much about the ocean, there will no longer be a distinction between Jews and Gentiles. The people that are remaining will be one. One in the Lord, there will be one that worships God, and that's what will be. Everybody will be the same. All differences, all race, all economic differences, uh, where you were born, where you were raised, everything in your life will be washed away. We'll be one with the Lord, truly. And that's the meaning there with that. But the thing is, verse 8, you know, I like doom and gloom, so we've got to go to verse 8. Uh, 
Think about this. Oh, let me bring up another one here real quick for you. Uh, the name, uh, chapter 22, verse 4, uh, highlighted different things for different reasons. They will see the face of his, and his name will be on their foreheads. I honestly believe one of two things happen when we are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we are baptized, you got to go to the spiritual realm. Either there is a cross on your forehead, that's another story in Revelation, or Jesus' name is written on you. The devil knows who you belong to. The devil knows who you belong to. And that's why sometimes when you seem like you start, man, I'm in the church, I'm getting the Bible study, I'm reading, I'm doing devotions. Man, it seems like my wife or my husband is just acting up, my kids are problems, finances become a problem. All the little things in life start coming and acting up, and, and you just get frustrated. God, what am I doing wrong? Nothing. The devil destroys everything that is good. The devil destroys everything that is good. He was going to try to destroy your life. He's going to try to destroy this church. He's going to try to, try to destroy anybody, anything that is proclaiming the Lord Jesus. We just got to know that. He knows who you belong to, and he will try to mess up your life. Uh, I am not, I'm coming, okay. Do not seal up these words of the prophecy of this scroll because the time is near. Most pastors will stay away from the book of Revelation. And yet the Bible tells us, the Word of God tells us to be in it. To know it, to know it. I look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each purse according to what they have done. From the time you come to the cross to the time you come to be Jesus, most of us have all been appointed to die once. That time will be judged. All the work you have done, the sins are forgiven. Forget the sins for a minute. The sins are forgiven. What you have done and the motive in which you have done it will go to the fire. And Jesus has a reward for us that we will have for eternity in heaven. We'll have to return in heaven. Some of us, like myself, if I, my reward is a broom to sweep the streets of gold, I'll be happy. You know what? I'll just be happy to be in heaven. Because uh, the other plan, that's either the AC plan or the frying plan. There is no, 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 no other choice there, people. And, and so but he's coming. So, and, and this is what I really want to the joke on the side, is there's work to be done. And what is the work to be done? You know, what is the work to be done? What are we called to do? Matthew chapter 28, 28 verse 18 says what? Make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations. You know, we get worried because now that we know a lot more the political system and everything, that there's a one world government that's trying to be formed. And the world, there's a lot of people in the world and there's a lot of craziness there. Do you know God is the author of the one world government? Because the ultimate thing with God, all the way back, from the people getting out of Egypt and, and being there is to see the living God. Is that people would see the living God in action. And the Jews, the original purpose of the Jews was to bring the world back to the living God because all people are created in the image of God. And that's our job. The one world order is for us to get out into the world and to start sharing our faith with other people and bring making disciples of Jesus Christ. We need to be in the Word of God. We need to be in our Bible studies. I don't know a person that really knows it all and doesn't need training. 
We need to be in our Bible study. That's why we got one for Sunday school, Sunday school class here. And maybe you say, well, there's not what I want. We'll start one. Be in the Word of God. Go out and share our faith. Go out and share our faith everywhere we go. And so well, how do I share my faith, preacher? I don't know. We'll have a class on that one day. How do I share my faith? What is what has God done in your life? Who can say that I am changed from the moment that I come to the cross? Amen. Who can say that I am changed from last year? Amen. Maybe last week, because I've been in the Word of God and I've been changed. That is your testimony. You don't need to be a theologian. You don't need to know all those fancy words and, and you know, what this word, the, the C means. And that's just neat uh, stuff that I like. You don't need to know all that. What you need to know is what God is doing in your life today, how your life works better. It's going to be better because of God in your life tomorrow. You know what? I'm going through a rough time in my marriage. That's just a constant story in our house. That's besides the I'm going through a rough time in my marriage. But I trust in God that if I can change, it would be better. If I would mind, this would get too hot to say about our house. If I would shut up, it would probably be better. That's beside the point. And we're going to the marriage counseling right here. But, but that's really the case is, is all of a sudden, you know, man, man, I'm just not getting along with my wife. I'm not getting along with my kids. But I'm not going to bring up the D word because I'm going to bring up God to come and heal and change me to help me and to help my marriage, my finances. Whatever it is that I need help with, I'm going to trust it to God. And because I know God has already had provisions for that in the future. He already has that provision for that, uh, in the future. And uh, we're going along there. Uh, verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Because this is very important. Who gets the robes? This is very important to understand this real quick. Who, is, who Jesus is talking to. Remember, this is the very end. This is uh, past a thousand years and all these other things. Uh, this is about all the Christians that have lived. And some of them have died and raised again and everything else. Our robes, we are given the robe of righteousness. We don't see it, but we're given the robe of righteousness. It's like the prodigal son when we come to Christ. But because we live in a dirty, fallen evil world, our robe continues to get dirty. And we got to come constantly, constantly to the throne of grace and repent. And when we earnestly repent, today, if you're dealing with something, if you would come to God and you would earnestly repent, He will cleanse your robe of righteousness. He will cleanse it. He will make you white as snow. You may walk back out the door and cause the same sin again. And say, God, I can't stand myself because I continue to fall in sin. Uh, Paul talks about this in Romans. God's like, what are you talking about? Because when he cleansed you of your sin, the sin was forgotten. God is the one that, so he's talking to, the whole point I want to make up here, he's talking to believers in this book. He's talking to those people who claim to be Jesus. Outside are the dogs, and he doesn't mean physical bark bark dogs. He, he talks about the people that are, uh, we, we call them sometimes dogs or something, they're, they're, they just feast on other people and other things, always carrying stuff up. Those who practice magic arts, get rid of Hop and Harry Potter. Uh, let me bring up something, and you might think this is funny, but that's okay. Bring up something real quick. If you got an Ouija board in your house, I don't care if it's in the closet, buried in the clothes, do not invite me 
to your house. I'm dead serious. If you've got a Ouija board at your house or any other thing, witchcraft, don't invite me. When I find out, I will never come back. Uh, I'm just here to tell you up front. Because uh, that is a, and I'm not getting to a long explanation, that is a channel for the devil to enter your house. Remove all things from your home that the devil can come in. That includes sometimes TV shows. And so, okay, moving on. Uh, and uh, so moving on there, since we're we at time, we should bring up another point. All right, let me go to chapter 22, verse 17. The spirit and the bride. Who's the spirit, somebody? Anybody? Man, I thought I had one from the Sprint commercial. Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> or was that uh, Mueller's Day Off? Anybody? 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 <laughs> so what? Uh, but so, the Spirit is God. God, the Holy Spirit. God, God, the Holy Spirit. And the bride. And the bride is who? Us. And the Spirit of God and the church says, Come. Who did you today say, Come with me into the, into the, in the presence of God? We're to be inviting people into the presence of God because the Spirit of God is here with us. We're to invite people into this relationship. What work will we be judged on? How many people did you disciple? All the money you have given, great. All the other little things you've done, great. But what we'll be judged on, I feel, mostly is our love for humanity. Do we have a love that God has, a love for the laws of humanity? Come. He says, come. And let the one who hears, you've heard the prophecy of the Lord. And he says that those who have heard this say, come. You have no other excuse not to invite. Because God says, if you heard this prophecy and you believe it to be true, you need to go out in the world. Come, come with me, come. If the road was tore up, I got, I got a good joke about this real quick. Just thought of it. There was the Baptist preacher and the Methodist preacher. And they would stay the sign, and one was on each side of the road, but on each side of the road, you know, this is 41, you're going to Florida, and there's being the, the Baptist preacher. I don't know the Baptist preacher's name down the road right now. And we're standing, we got this big sign that says, The end is near, the end is near. Somebody drives down the road and says, Oh, look at those quacks. And then they hear a big crash, and somebody says, the Baptist says to the Methodist guy, maybe we should have put the road, the apostle on the road down there. If you knew danger was coming, if you knew that there was a big sinkhole down here, and dark at night, cars are going and people are losing their lives, what action would you take to stop cars from coming? People are dying every day and going to hell because we have not shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. He says, let the one who is thirsty come. That's both of us. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. Salvation is free. The free gift of life. Salvation is being saved and salvation is the free gift of God. And that is one of his rewards for us. And so we're here we go along. And here's my question to you is, as we close up here, grace, who needs forgiveness today? 
every one of you keep giving. So you all can raise your hand there. Thank you. Uh, who needs mercy today? Every one of us. Who needs grace? I already said that. Who needs grace? We all stand here together needing forgiveness, grace, and mercy. And we're trusting God to give it to us, are we not? The person on the outside that's lost, what do they need? The contrast with this, if you ever go to prison, you ever go to, go to prison, uh, be in Cairo's ministry in prison, uh, you see the people that realize what they have done wrong, horrific things they have done many times, and they're broken people. And when you sit there and preach the gospel to them and they accept Jesus Christ, you can literally see the chain of bondage of this world fall off. And I think it's more prevalent there than it is out here because we like to hide behind the mask that says everything's okay in my life. People, let the mask down. Let us come to the throne of grace because God is there for forgiveness. He's there for mercy. He's there for grace. God loves us unmeasurably. And all he wants from us is to love humanity in the same way that he does. And that's what sanctification is about. It's starting to love the world like Jesus loves the world. Who needs forgiveness, mercy, and grace? Everyone, whether they're in this church or they're out of this church. The very key to the heart of God is love. The very key that God wants us to share with the world. They will know we are Christians by our by what? Love of one another. So let's come into this leave here today with the word of God in our hearts. The word of God is love. Because he has a beautiful ending for his story. Please stand and join us in our